This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? Clean sheet, I call it, is uh, one of the most important things in, in football. Nice to see Holt fans here. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is! Paul Bowden to take it. Oh, and he's hit the crossbar! Gerard, it's Carroll! What a goal by the England striker! That's why he was brought in and he's done the job. Saved! John Pickford! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh it happened! No! Hit leg! Hello and welcome to episode 9 of our Euro specials. It's quickly, Kevin. Will he score? And England is still in the tournament. I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And here stood in the rubble that is Germany's Euro 2020 chances. It's Michael Martin. Guten Tag. I was thinking earlier that how little I cared about the kind of rivalry with Germany. Like, the, the long rivalry with Germany. But actually, I quite like Germany as a nation now. I think they're one of my favourite non-English national teams. I'm glad we beat them. But genuinely, I'd just as happily beat Italy and Belgium. <laughs> But do you know what I mean? I, when I got yeah. there, the German flags—they're amazing. I think they're—I think they're great Germany now, but they're rubbish at football. But it's a bit like that's how it works, <laughs> isn't it? All the fans, or a lot of their fans, stuck around after the final whistle and were sort of applauding and cheering, which I thought was really, really classy. Yeah. Do you know what I thought? Do you remember Henning Venn came on here and said like, "Oh, what, what do what do you remember of Euro '96 beating England?" And he was kind of like, "He was like, we, I don't really remember it anymore." Like I can, already. 
I feel like I don't really remember those that Euro '96 game against Germany where we lost. I don't remember like Italian '90. Somehow they, they, those defeats feel a bit easier now since we've had this victory. Well, let's see how it all goes because we have <laughs> beaten Germany before in 2000 and in 2001, and both were followed by abject disappointment. Do you think? But I think the mentality has changed. I think what both of you have just said there, especially you, Josh. Like, I think this is what it feels like to be a victorious and a good team yeah. where you don't think about people that you've beaten. You're not playing against Germany. You're playing against the idea of losing. It's irrelevant who you're playing against. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, let the new rivalry with Ukraine begin. Um, <laughs> right, we have the 90 o'clock news? Headquarters of ITN News at 10 with Chris Scull. No cuddle for Mbappe. 90s Premier League legend maintains same goal celebration into his 50s. And Euros manager spotted at Wimbledon. Oh. Oh, and how Steve Frogger met his wife. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's quite it's, packed. Quite packed. Yeah, it's quite packed. It'd be very unlikely to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to start off by have like a conversation we had when France went out and Mbappe missed that penalty. He just walked down the tunnel. No one gave him a little cuddle. I didn't like that. Like, it blows my mind. I didn't like that. But I, I felt like, I think it's your duty when you miss to hang around on the pitch to look sad for a bit so that yes. everyone knows you're sad. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. I think there should be UA for dictat that if you do miss a penalty, you do have to cry on the pitch afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> just so that everyone, so everyone's got that photo and everyone knows that it mattered to you. Yeah. yeah, the manager's got like tear sticks that they use in soap operas <laughs> yeah. to put under your eye if you can't. See, I, I, I was thinking about this a lot and I don't know whether I totally agree because I think that's a reflection of an elite sportsman's mentality where I think Mbappe was able to let it go almost instantly and that's what the absolute best players in the world, the best sportsmen, you know, your Michael Jordans, your Tiger Woods, those people, they have to be able to go to a place mentally to sustain that level that they can detach and although it matters the moment it's happened it's like what's the point in dwelling i'm just moving on to the next thing the next the next goal the next game yeah i don't want that he basically turned he it's almost like he didn't break his run up he just carried on he was (laughs) just ran around the goal and he was going down the tunnel he never (laughs) he never actually stopped i mean the french also it's worth saying they're always falling out with each other aren't they like, they're always rowing. France and Holland are the are classic just two, aren't they? <laughs> but yeah. I thought Mbappe was kind of the good guy, and I kind of had it, had it in my head like Giroud was the baddie, and maybe Benzema too. But, like, the fact that no one came over to give him a little cuddle, maybe Mbappe's the baddie. Mbappe. I think I think he's had some... I think some people have kind of said he's a bit of a bit of hard work in the lead-up to the tournament, haven't they? Yeah. Um, just on Michael's point about elite-level sportsmen are able to miss a penalty and then just move on straight away, we all remember that David Batty famously fully dressed after England went out. <laughs> yes, of course, elite-level sportsman who moved on. <laughs> in a way, he's probably our most elite-level sportsman. Exactly. No Pizza Hut advert for him, Never, no tears. Whereas Southgate's on the pitch saying that he still thinks about it. He's the opposite. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, wonder, um, I wonder how that miss from Mbappe's been received in France like their effigies of him and you know is, is he being haunted or do they have a different mentality or can we expect in like two months time to see him in a, a Cafe Rouge advert <laughs> <laughs> I have this thing where and I felt it a bit for Liverpool last season like 
how much of a shit do you give if you're France? You won the World Cup three years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. say England won the Euros, right? Which is, I'd say it's, you know, a 25% chance, right? At this stage. Say England won the Euros. Come Qatar, I don't know if it's going to mean as much. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that Liverpool's season probably wasn't actually that depressing for the fans because they'd broken that duck the season before. Do you agree? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't know whether, like, is it a substantial enough footballing meal for me not to be hungry next time the next tournament <laughs> comes around? I, I feel like, if anything, having tasted that, I'd be like, no, I want, I want more of the same, please. I wouldn't expect it every single time, but I think it would sting a little bit still. I'm not uh, saying I'd be emotionally dead to the whole thing, but surely that league man you won in 1993 was meant more to them than the one they won in 1997. Yeah, that, Do you know that's what a good I mean? point. That's a good point. I've kind of wargamed this. I've, you know, I've spent the morning thinking, what would it be like if we won? I'm thinking stuff like, would they give us a bank holiday? Well, there's all COVID issues with the oh, bus yeah. parade, presumably, as well. Oh, man. But it would, anyway. be, it would be magical. It would be an absolutely magical Let, time. Let's but stick the, to the 90s o'clock news. Yes, of course. Um, 90s Premier League legend maintained same goal celebration into his 50s. Now, now, now. I'm going to send a message on the group chat. Do you recognise that man in the middle? It's the BBC's coverage. Oh yeah, well I do. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. And what do you know? What is peculiar about that celebration and that man? Well, that's Alan Shearer. <laughs> it's Alan Shearer. His hand up in exactly the way that you'd hold. He used to hold his hand up. That's great, isn't Alan it? Alan Shearer doing, still doing the one arm celebration after an England yeah. goal. That <laughs> He's is incapable of celebrating with two hands. Rio's pumping both fists. Jürgen looking on despondent. Oh, wow. But Alan Shearer, one hand in the air. Still got yes. it. Still That's great. Does it. We'll put that on our Instagram. And uh, I've seen a few people point this out. This is the last one. Euro's manager spotted at Wimbledon. I'm going to send around this image. This is spectacular. Tell me who... You... This is a, a ball boy. I, pres- I think. It's oh, wow. Ball. Yeah, it looks like Mancini. Mancini. <laughs> I think it's a line judge, How good is isn't that? it? A line I think it's a line, line judge. judge. It's a line judge at Wimbledon who looks scarily close well, what, what is the reason for that is that the Wimbledon line judge outfit is very similar to the Italian manager's uh, suit, isn't it? Same style, isn't it? Have we got time for how Steve Froggett made his wife? No, we haven't got oh, okay. time for that, I'm no, afraid. Oh, for God's sake. Well, if England win the Euros, will we have time? Yes. Okay. Yes. But instead, let's let's have the um, the electronic post back. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Now, misheard lyrics. This is amazingly from someone called David Boist, spelt B-U-I-S-T. So close to a 90s <laughs> footballer's name. Uh, in the wake of England's glorious victory against Germany last night, I did the obligatory post-game listen to Three Lions. So great was my joy that I also listened to the 1998 version. I was shocked to hear the lyrics of the opening line, a verse one, where... Tears for Heroes Dressed in Grey. As a 13 to 14 year old around the time of the 1998 World Cup, I had tried to work out what this line said. Initially, I thought it was Tea is for Heroes Dressed in Grey. As in Tears for Tango, Tears for Tackle, etc. Having decided this couldn't possibly be true because H is for Heroes Dressed in Grey, I settled on presuming that it meant tea, as in the hot drink, is for Heroes Dressed in Grey. I then spent the rest of the summer assuming that after England had been knocked out of Euro 96, they were rewarded for their heroic efforts throughout the tournament 
by giving cups of tea in the changing room <laughs> after the game. This didn't strike me as remotely odd for some reason, presumably because the image of Southgate, Pearson, Anderson sitting around drinking tea after the, a hard-fought tussle with Germany seemed to perfectly fit for the players, the times, and the country as a whole. That's a, that's a classic um, strange hill, that, isn't it? But it's also a lovely image of the team, which I imagine isn't a million miles from what happened in that dressing room. Tea? Tea. Straight after? Well, we, we, we've discussed on many occasions the the fact they drank a lot of tea in dressing rooms in the 90s and how strange <laughs> did, that was. I did realise that extended to the dressing room. I thought it was just people at home watching. Oh, no. Well, well, actually, big news on that. Dear Quickly Kevin, this is from Anthony. Enjoying the Euros episodes, noticed on Instagram uh, your post about the national grid during England v Germany which reminded me to dig around in the documents I still have from when I worked at the National Grid in the late 90s. Oh, yes, please. Finally, some some first-hand experience. Oh, at last. In those days, what was called TV pickup was definitely a thing. The grid control systems that had been prepared for kettles and lighting to be switched on at half-time or full-time, or even after particularly sighting East Enders. We used to bring in weather data as well as TV listings, which would all be crunched in three giant mainframe computers at the data centre by what is now the Tate Modern. I haven't worked there for more than 20 years, so I have no idea if it's still such a big deal now. I think what's interesting there, for a start, is lights going on. Does anyone dim the lights for the football? Well, no, you might start in daylight and then you're just not getting up to flick the switch because you're just so enraptured with the drive. Oh, right. Or perhaps people like moving into different rooms in their house and flicking on, you know, you've got 20 million people turning on their kitchen light pretty much in unison. You're not oh, turning right, the lounge yeah. light off when you go. Yeah. Sort of turning on and off each room as you go in and out, you're leaving the lounge on. And suddenly 20 million households are using an extra light switch, a kettle, fridge doors. <laughs> what I find astonishing is that the TV doesn't seem to be a drainer of electricity at all in this in this especially discussion. in the 90s those big cathode ray ray tubes they've got to be taking a lot well you think a lot but clearly water. they're not nothing compared they're nothing compared to kettle fair enough but like you think more than a kitchen light would be a tv wouldn't you but is it to do with the the massive drawing power in one go is that the issue well i'll carry on every time a tv pickup i demand picked up after a TV show happened, there would be an incident report. I can't find any for big matches, but I remember reading one for Argentina versus England in the 1998 World Cup. I've attached one. I mean, we can't put this on Instagram because it's too bleak, but he's attached one for the three-minute silence after September the 11th to show us what the incident report looked like. That was a particularly huge pickup of 2,700 megawatts. A typical TV pickup would be 500 to 750 megawatts, which could be, say, 10,000 households switching a 60-watt light bulb on at roughly the same time. I find this absolutely fascinating that this happened. Why has he kept all this stuff, though? That is mind-boggling. I'd never think to keep something like that. But, well, we've all learned something. It is fascinating, isn't it, that that happens? Yeah. I'll tell you what, at nil-nil in that game, nobody was celebrating, let alone having a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. right? That was the most tense 15-minute break that I've ever had in my life. Well, oh, do, you, do you think also that because of the fall in ratings of um, of scheduled television, 
it must be so rare now to have such big audiences watching something on television. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, there's no sort of communal appointment to view where there used to be 17 million watching EastEnders generally. Yeah, do you know what I mean? God, it's so mad, isn't it? And now EastEnders gets four and a half million. It's like, and that's not a slam on EastEnders. That's just the world we live in. Um, right. Do you know what's always been very popular? What's really helped? Sure, we have a couple of uh, ways to improve the Euros. Yeah. Uh, this is a great idea from Neil Mitchell. Although many people hate VAR, there is a way that it could help make the game more exciting instead of less. And the way to do it is that you only reveal the VAR decisions at full time. <laughs> Go on. Go on. That's <laughs> an excitement. As the clock ticks towards 90 minutes and Belgium think they're 2-1 up on Italy, but they have doubt in the back of their heads. What if Lukaku's head in the 19th minute is chalked off for offside? What if there was a push on the box when De Bruyne scored the second? No game would ever feel safe. Never would a team dare to take it to the corner flag for fear of looking like fools when a 3-1 win could become a 1-0 defeat. Out of all the players gathered around the big screens, First of all, the number of VAR decisions in res- is released. Like the cheer you get with five plus additional minutes announced. It would then be a great moment when the crowd would find out the three goals that have been reviewed and could it be a win after all. Do you not think that'd be exciting? Oh, just if think, at the end of England be Germany. The There's no certainty. There's no certainty. And I also think all you're asking for there is an absolute riot at the end of every <laughs> yes. single game. Like it would be, there would be scraps on the field in the stands. How would you, how would you be feeling about? I, I, I know we keep going back to England and Germany. I'd have talked myself into both those England goals being offside. Yeah, they're so marginal, aren't they? Actually, so let's just say someone scores a goal from outside the box that could never be offside. You aren't watching the build up to that goal, looking out for like an infringement or a foul that VAR might roll back and pick up. So I think you would suck every ounce of joy out of every hell. I, I think that's the worst suggestion I've ever oh, heard. Oh, I think, it, I think it, would <laughs> yes, so, it would be so fun at the end of a game. Well, let's see whether you'd like this one, Michael, from Tim Schofield. Good afternoon, lads. I was listening to a piece about Ben Benton, the young English lad who's playing in the Copper America of Chile, and it got me thinking. I often laugh and ridicule when fans come up with silly ideas to make football better, but my idea would revolutionise not only the Euros, but the Copper America and African nations too. Picture this. Before the start of the Euros, all managers are sat in a studio arena, similar to the tournament draw or Ballon d'Or location. But this time they're here for a draft, a special Euros draft where each country gets to pick a 26th player from the rest of the world. It'd be seeded so North Macedonia would pick first, they'd get Messi, for instance, and Scotland would go with Neymar. England would have the 20 or 21st pick, maybe get Mares or Alison Becker. I often feel sorry for players from the rest of the world. They don't get to play in these elite tournaments, but it worked both ways. Imagine Bale hasn't had the major tournaments he should have, suddenly turning up for Costa Rica or in the African Nations Cup for Cameroon or Kane playing up front for Ghana. The rule would be only one player allowed for this. You could go one f- step further and allow teams at a World Cup to take a player from an unqualified country. At least this country would then be able to watch with more interest. Think back to USA 94. Maybe Ireland could have had Gascoigne in central midfield. We would have loved it. What do you think of that idea? Mm. It's interesting. Is only one player from each nation allowed to be selected? So if North Macedonia pick Messi, every other Argentina player is no, off the no, it's, no, no, no. It's only you can have as many from each nation as, as you like. I think. 
But I th- I think it would have added a, a bit of excitement to this Euros. But if you, I, I'm going to veto it though because it doesn't yeah. it mean less. Like if you win, if like if England had Lionel Messi, wouldn't it mean less if he scored the winner? You kind of like you wanted to know it's an English success. I don't know. I mean? know. If you look at the way that the nation uh, wrapped its arms around someone like Greg Rudetsky, I think you yeah. very quickly <laughs> want to Lionel. We've, we've, we've very quickly, uh, yeah, you very quickly want to Messi. In the same way that, like in the nineties, you'd be bringing in Ryan Giggs to solve the left-sided problem. You'd very quickly go, yeah, he's one of us. And Andy Murray is very quickly British uh, when someone yeah. succeeds at a sporting event. I agree. I think it, I think it would add. I mean, I, I I think it'd be a very exciting way to start the. Uh, tournament also it'd be awful for the players because they'd just be shoved in these teams and they wouldn't have a choice but i suppose that's international football for you at the, but, be- at the best of times but would it put certain players in an awkward position though like would lionel messi if for some reason england could draw him he might say no because of the falklands or something like that you know because of like if there's a football league <laughs> <laughs> but what, like, <laughs> what did, might he say no and then that, and then that, that's well, going to be th- kind I, of awkward. I, I think if you want to play in the Euros, you have to agree that you'd go with whatever draft you're given. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if, if, if you're the player that's picked, how motivated are you? Are you going to try your best? Because it's, it's the future. Nothing, it's, this is never going away. And it's a legitimate chance for you to win a trophy that perhaps you might not have. So you might get patriotic, you know, Welshmen or Argentinians or Brazilians who historically would be, I'm not playing for England. But suddenly it's like, well, I can never win the Euros. Neymar yeah, I, can I, never I, win the Euros. I so. think the thought of being the first player who's won the World Cup, the Copper America and the Euros would be like, yeah, that, that'd be the ultimate triple crown, wouldn't it? Because you'd have to do it with at least two different teams and the, Afri- and, and the Africa Cup, Cup of Nations. I'd, I'd like to run the data for uh, perhaps the next episode where we look at some competitions where England were a part of it, but big nations weren't. And then cross-reference our squad versus you know weak links in that squad for instance where there are times where well who would you have goalkeeper. picked who would you have picked for euro 96 uh i'm, pro- I'm probably picking a uh a confident penalty taking center back instead of gareth southgate <laughs> for euro 96 steve bruce, steve bruce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, imagine like england calling up gareth bale or something like that there's just some there's some call-ups i mean gareth bale sometimes couldn't be bothered to play for real madrid what's he gonna do that was, it was kind of Killed by the Olympics, but in the 90s, there was constant talk of a British team. Yeah. And and constantly there'd be like, you know, in 4-4-2, they'd, they'd have the formation laid out of who would potentially be in the British team. I think a lot of the objection from that came from the smaller nations, didn't they? Because the fear yeah. that those local FAs would then just be come obsolete i don't think there was you'd want it i don't think there'd be any need for it i kind of want it because i think your chance your chances of winning international tournaments are increased by population size like that i think that's just a fact of international yeah of course and also i think it'd be a great unifying thing for great britain it's i mean it's divisive enough as it is wouldn't it be great do you think that's what it needs do you think that's what britain needs is one no tony blair really wanted that to happen he really, he really wanted to use football as a unifying force in, in, to create more British culture. He, I think he campaigned as well for like Rangers and Celtic to be in the, the Premier League, to have one British league. That seems like a very... I think you uh, may, I, I understand it. I understand it. I know. I just think it feels like a very dodgy thing to campaign for when you're looking for votes. I don't think he campaigned to, for it, but when in power, no. he was like lobbying. 
football and that. Right, right. But well, I would like, I'd love a British football team. Wouldn't you like all of us together? No. Well, I'm working with an Italian guy at the minute and he he said to, he just pulled me aside one day and was like, why isn't there a British football team? And I really like, he, he was like, people in Europe just don't really understand it. And like, and then trying to explain it, it's like, well, historically, like England versus Scotland was the first international match, so it's like the home internationals, and like, the, the, like basically, parts of the United Kingdom would play each other, and then they had their own FAs. So it's like a hundred what hundred thirty year old problem that we've got here that we're just not well, really it's, solving. It's, but it's it's not it's not just football. It's every team sport isn't British. Well, yeah, they've got an English. No, but they're they're mainly individual sports, aren't they? Yeah, well, you got team. I mean, we had a great British team in the football, didn't we? For the for the twenty twelve and like the the, fit, the women will have a team. Uh, but like we always represent, we you, it's the great British team in those events, isn't it? I'd break it down more. I, I'd have a North and South England. <laughs> I think we should just. Well, I, I was going to suggest going the other way. I, I, how about we have a, a continent World Cup? So it's Europe versus South America, North America, Africa, etc. I'd, I'd yeah. watch that. I'd get on board as Team Europe. I'd love yeah. that. Actually. I have thought there is. We should do something like that, shouldn't we? A continental, a continental tournament. I mean, Antarctica are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's fucked except <laughs> Europe, South America, and then the third best team would be Africa. Do you, what you think European team would beat a South American team? I think that's the only interesting game. I don't know. Africa would be good, wouldn't they? Do you think? I think if you could draw from the entire pool, I, I don't think it would be as big a margin or as big a gulf as, as you'd think. I think if we went through and looked at the player, the player pool, and went, oh, okay, yeah, no, these, Salah, all of these players, Barney. yeah, all of these players play at the elite level, yeah. But may, maybe if you're a, a lesser nation, you're allowed to draw uh, some of your players from the from the unpicked players. Like oh, if you're Antarctica. I mean, we get, we get, we're getting into <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's getting like... very complicated now. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, I, this is a great challenge for Patreon listeners. Give us your teams. Give us the contest. So, what are we say? Are we saying is North America and South America, or are we just saying America? What the whole well, North and South? The question there is: Would Christian Pulisic make the South American team? That's <laughs> that's the question <laughs> there. So, what are we asking for? A European side, an African side, an American South American side, South American side with Christian Pulisic. Can we give North America? Can we give them Central America as well? Sort of open the pool up a little bit. There's probably a handful okay. of players there. Yeah, they'd have like Mexico and stuff. I think so because that—that's kind of who's hosting the next World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. After Qatar. So give okay. us your starting 11s of those continents, and we'll yeah. see. We'll we'll go through next page in episode and find out which continent is best. I'm excited. What would you call it? The Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, it'd be a bit like the Ryder Cup, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. In a way, like just a, a smaller thing that you play every two years. Love it. I mean, you just need a round robin between America, Africa, and Europe, really. I don't think you need the Antarctic or Australasia <laughs> teams, really. <laughs> this is how to send your teams in. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin. And sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Right. What do we need to discuss here, guys? What What would you like to discuss? I think it's just how we feeling. Forty eight hours on from um, one of the biggest England results in a generation, arguably, maybe even beyond that. Biggest one since sixty six. I think we said it would be if we won, and we did. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, full episode is available on Patreon. Then we're back on the main feed on Monday. So that's it. 
We'll speak to you again after the weekend. See you on Monday. Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.